Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show. Once again, and as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Orberg. And I want all of you listeners to know two things. Number one, I'm trying to better myself. I'm always trying to better myself, both for my own sake and for the sake of you, my beloved, beloved listeners. You are all my darling sons and daughters and cinnamon rolls, and I just want to be the best version of myself that I possibly can. So to that end, I'm trying, have been trying to cure myself of the habit of saying to somebody else, I'm on my way, when what I mean is I'm looking forward to seeing you. I've, I've, I've come to realize with time, when I say I'm on my way, I very rarely am actually in the car, walking out the door, in transit, in the active state of moving from one place to the other. I am usually stepping out of the shower, or thinking about putting on shoes, or hastily eating a spoonful of peanut butter because I realized that I am too hungry to wait in line for whatever we're about to do. And it's not because I like to lie to my friends. It's not because I don't care about them. I genuinely think the condition of being on my way is led by wanting to be there soon. I always think that it's going to take me five minutes to get wherever I'm going. Every time I come to the studio to record, I am shocked that it takes me 25 minutes to go, you know, nine miles through Berkeley traffic. I, 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 every time I leave my house, I think today's the day everything takes five minutes. And at, at the ripe old age of 30, I'm starting to realize that might actually not be the case. So I am trying now to either save I'm on my way for when I'm actually getting into the car. Getting into the car, by the way, not texting while I'm driving. I wouldn't do that to to any of you. Uh, or to say, I just got out of the shower. <laughs> I have every intention of leaving shortly. Um, so I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I don't want to lie to any of you. The other thing is that uh, our guest this week is one of my favorite people, uh, one of the many people who have become a beloved and intricate part of my personal life after meeting online because we liked talking about the same things on Twitter. Um, my guest is Alyssa Furukawa, who is a bro from Philadelphia who enjoys powerlifting and knitting. That is exactly the biography that I was given to read, and that is exactly what I'm reading to all of you now. Alyssa, hi. Hello. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> are you too optimistic about the matters of time and space? Yeah. Or are you somebody who is always on time and is never says that they're on their way when they're, in fact... No, I've catch? never been on time in my life, actually. Um, I was born 15 days late, and my mom has held that over my head since. But also, I, I gotta set say that's expectations such a real low. So, Have you found, as you have grown... Uh, that there has been anything that's helped you with that? Or are you just sort of resigned to, I am a person who is generally late, I try to warn people as best I can, and then the rest is in the hands of God? Um, I try to, when someone says, be here by a time, in my head, I try to translate that into like, okay, well, I, being me, knowing who I am, will leave by this time because... If you want me to be somewhere at a time, I'm going to, if I don't figure out what time I need to leave by to be there on time, I just end up leaving at the time I'm supposed to be there. 
So I just have to like it rewire my brain. <laughs> so counterintuitive because I almost never think I'm going to be late. Uh, and I think maybe for people who don't struggle with lateness, they think people like us just don't care or don't think about it. I almost never leave the house thinking I'm about to be late. I almost always leave the house thinking I have given myself just the right amount of time. Uh, I'll probably even be there a minute or two early, which is the <laughs> earliest a person can possibly be. Uh, this is great. And it's only as my plan unfolds that I start to realize how bad it is. So every time that I'm actually on time to something, I have left the house at what feels to me like an irrationally early hour. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is so weird. I'm going to have to bring a book or something. Like, I don't know what I'll do to entertain myself during the many, many, many <laughs> minutes of waiting that lie ahead. And then I end up getting there just on time. And I'm like, yeah, how? I do that I, a lot, too. A wormhole. <laughs> so it's hard. I, I'm trying. I'm trying is what I'm trying to say. Yes. And I think I am probably not as better at it than I want to think that I am. But... It is what it is. You and I are both here. Now, we did it. Yeah. In this moment, we did it. You and I have achieved it. Uh, why don't we start fixing the problems of the world one letter at a time? Sound good? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Our very first letter, the subject line is to tell or not to tell. Dear Prudence, I'm a pansexual woman in my early 30s, and I'm having trouble deciding whether to come out to my family. My friends know, my husband knows, even my coworkers know. I grew up hearing a lot of homophobic comments like, we won't buy Levi's anymore. They support gay marriage. I won't vote for that candidate. They stand for gay rights. The Bible says it's a choice. And the worst one being, burn them, kill them all. That last one was said by my grandmother. I wouldn't have to tell them as I'm in a quote unquote traditional marriage. But part of me wants to stop hiding this part of myself from them. Another part of me wants to scream at them to stop being such ignorant homophobic jerks. What are your thoughts? Just getting started with, like, a really light. <laughs> yeah, something low-key, you know, no pressure. Um, yeah. Well, my first thought was that those two things that she said are not mutually exclusive because she can right. both stop hiding herself from them, as she put it, and also scream at them to stop being such ignorant homophobic jerks. Um, right. It actually kind of sounds like the letter writer has felt like the only way that I can really let them know how unacceptable I find this is by disclosing my own sexuality to them. And I don't think that's the case. No, I don't think so either. I don't think that you have to be out to be really mad about homophobia. Yeah. So, you know, I, my vote uh, and oh, by the way, just in case, I, I always want to Bear in mind that we have lots of different people who listen to this podcast, some of whom are very up on um, all the various ways that queer people identify themselves and some of whom might find some terms new to them. Uh, this letter writer describes herself as pansexual uh, and pansexual is a word that sometimes people use to describe their own sexuality um, in the sense that basically just all they're trying to communicate is that they uh, don't have any limitations in regard to like biological sex, gender, gender identity. Um, Somebody who feels like maybe the word bisexuality is not quite the right word for them because it may possibly like reify an idea of a gender binary, which, by the way, is not necessarily why they would throw out the word pansexual. Um, it's not a diss on the word bisexual. It's just one of many options. Basically, just somebody who considers themselves to be pretty sexually fluid. Yes. So, uh, Alyssa, you were saying it sounds like they don't have to out themselves in order to, to say no, these things to their I, parents. No, I mean— 
it comes down to just being like a personal decision. If you don't want to tell these people, people who sound relatively hateful that you are a pansexual person, then you do not have to, in my opinion. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. But if it bothers you more to stay closeted and you think it's safe to be out because that's another thing you have to consider. Um, Especially bearing in mind that her grandmother has at one point said, kill them all. Yeah, especially, right. Like, I don't know if you want to have to fight your grandmother physically. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I don't think you have to be out to fight them on this. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, I get very, I do scream at people for being homophobic jerks. And I try to right. not, I try not to scream actually, but it's hard because right. when people are being hateful, I want to shake them a little bit. <laughs> um, but right. I also like as a queer person, I don't feel like I have to tell someone, well, do you think that you want to burn me and kill me? Is that also what you're saying? Or can I just combat this without exposing myself in that way? Right. So you, basically there are two outings available to you, letter writer, right now. One is to out yourself personally as a pansexual woman um, who is married to a cis man, which is what I assume what you mean by traditional marriage. Um, and that is optional. That is something that you do not have to do if you fear for your safety. Uh, that is not even something you have to do if you feel like it would give your family uncomfortable ammunition to attack you. Like, you yep. absolutely do not have to come out to them. You are out um, with the people who make up the bulk of your support system. You are out in a meaningful way, and that's great. The other is you get to, and I think should, come out to your family as a non-homophobe. <laughs> Uh, like, and again, that is so unrelated to your own sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you can and should say to your family, um, that you support gay marriage, that you support gay rights, that you support trans rights, that you support like everything that they think is apparently burnable. Um, and you, you, you can and should do that right now. You, you don't have to scream, but you can absolutely bring it up and just say, like, this is important information you should have about me. I support LGBT people. Um, and I don't think we should burn gay people. Yeah. Yeah. Say that. Say that right now. Yeah. Go for it. You have our blessing. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and frankly, like, you may be able to, um, they may see you as a slightly more, like, because you have the sort of cover of your marriage to a man, they might think of you as, they might be more inclined to listen to you than they would to a gay person uh, mm -hmm. or somebody who is out as gay to them. Like, because they might think, oh, wow, well, you know, I should listen to her. She's not a deviant, um, which is not to say that that's a reason not to ever come out, but just that that might be one benefit to having that conversation first. Um, but yeah, hell yeah, do it today. Do it right now tell them and and then if they ever say stuff like that around you call them on it you know mm -hmm. don't don't just continue eating dinner when someone says something like i won't buy jeans that support gay marriage or we should burn and kill gays yeah that is I, not something you should let slide yeah i was gonna say i also think that if her husband knows 
then he should also be backing her up at any kind of family event yeah. where this is happening. I know in-laws are like maybe a co- more complicated relationship, but also if he knows, he should also be yeah. vocally against homophobia. Right. Like as a unit so that you have somebody backing you mm-hmm. up. So there's at least two people in the room who are saying like, maybe let's not burn people for their sexual orientation. Yeah. Um, that's it's, There's always a little bit of safety in numbers. Just getting your husband sort of like, backup in that moment will be really helpful to you mm-hmm. um and f- please feel free to limit a lot of the time you spend with your family if they oh yeah you, know, you do not have to see those like people that. if you can avoid it in my opinion yeah yeah all right well i have front loaded this week's episode with a lot of sort of big fraught family related political issues and i apologize in advance for putting you through this and i hope that your <laughs> blood pressure can take it <laughs> The subject yeah. line of this one is just, yeah, yeah. Get ready. Brace yourself. Take a sip of something cold. Okay. Um, Deep breaths. Is unruly in-laws. Dear Prudence, I am moderately disabled. I'm able to work and have a thriving career, but my disability does limit my physical endurance and mobility, so there are some things I can't do as a result. It's not something that bothers me, and I don't feel like I'm missing out. The issue is my in-laws. They're always incredibly condescending because I can't do the outdoor activities they enjoy like hiking and biking. They refuse to help me explain to their children that I can't play rough with them like their other aunts and uncles, and they talk about how uninteresting they find my hobbies, which I admit are on the passive side. My husband has no issue with my limitations. I was like this before we met, and we're very happy with our less-than-fast-paced lifestyle. But whenever I have to see his family, I'm so furious at having to endure their ignorance. I don't know if they just don't believe that I'm disabled or if they don't understand what it means to have a disability, but I'm at my wit's end. The last time I saw my husband's sister, she didn't do anything while her nine-year-old daughter started punching me in the back repeatedly. The incident left me unable to walk properly for days. I can't avoid seeing them, although that's honestly my preference. What should I say when they start picking on me for not enjoying, quote-unquote, their active lifestyle? Or at least, how can I stop them from letting their kids get so rough with me? Well, I just want to throw something across the room. Oh, yeah, that's... (laughs) Um... Well, first of all, your in-laws sound terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really no, there's no way around that. There's no way uh, your sister-in-law letting her nine-year-old daughter punch you in the back repeatedly is okay regardless of disability or not. Uh, but the fact that it also left you unable to walk is... <sighs> Just unfathomable. Wait, nine years old is not three, right? Like there are ages where kids genuinely have to be sometimes just not like indulged, like they can do whatever. But sometimes you can't explain to a kid. Yeah, at a very nine very is young old age enough. Why you can't do something? But nine years old is old enough to know you don't hit people repeatedly in the back, and if you are doing it, that you need to be removed from the situation, possibly put in a timeout or whatever. Um, I. My big question is this, is where is your husband in all of this? Yep. Like you say yep. he has no issue with your limitations, which, like, that's a pretty low bar to clear yep. that he doesn't hold your disability against you. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want to assume well of him. It sounds like maybe he, he is a good husband to you in other ways, but it sure sounds like he checks out when your his family shows up because— I got to say, like, he is your husband. If he is in the room or even in the same building uh, yep. uh, where, like, someone's kid is hitting you in the back and you're not able to walk, like, why is he not stopping? Mm-hmm. Why is he not talking to his sister? Why is he not intervening? Like, where's your husband? What's going on with him? 
Why is he not being your number one advocate in these situations? Um, you know, yeah, I know this gets said is, a lot on the internet of like, you don't have an in-law problem. You have a husband problem. You have both. I mean, you have an in-law <laughs> problem, but you also have a husband problem, which is that he is not looking out for you. He's not helping you. He's not being your ally or your advocate. And he needs to start that yesterday. Yeah. Like that's part of, I believe, part of the benefit of having a spouse or a long-term partner is that you're supposed to like be a team when people are ganging up on you, especially for, you know, this isn't a joke. This is like, you know, someone's life. And they, as far as I can tell, the in-laws just are actively just pushing the letter writer away and like doing it intentionally. And not um, just that, but they are like, hassling someone with a disability for not enjoying mountain biking yeah a lot of people don't enjoy mountain biking because of a lot of reasons and people should just get over that yeah and there's just you know sometimes i get letters where i can understand where everyone's coming from and people are kind of trying their best but just coming from different places this is not one of those letters this is like you need to ask yourself when you do or say something would a villain in a (laughs) 1980s ski movie do this Because, like, mocking somebody who has a physical disability for not, like, being hiker of the year falls into that category. Like, you might as well have a neon sweatband with your own name (laughs) monogrammed on the front of it and, like, be, like, rubbing sand in a kid's eyes. Like, you suck. Your choices suck. And you suck. Yeah. So... Like that, I mean, I, I can't just yell at those people. They didn't write into me, but like, they suck. so number one, you absolutely can avoid seeing them. Um, yeah. You don't say anything about how like you guys live together or they own the business that you work at. Um, I imagine what you're referring to is like social pressure. Um, and I just want you to know the next time your in-laws come to town, get busy. <laughs> Make plans. Oh, so sorry. I'm going to miss you. I'm actually going to be like out all day, like fucking bail on the plans that you have with these people and do it with absolute, absolutely like no compunction. And if your husband tries to make that difficult for you, um, you you get to put your foot down like it is time. Um, And then also in the times when you may not be able to avoid seeing them, um, you need to tell your husband, like, here's the deal. Um, I am not going to put up with being mocked for my physical disability. Um, I am not going to play with the kids if they're not able to, like, you know, not harm me such that I can't walk. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not going to put up with somebody making fun of the fact that I enjoy knitting or reading or tea blending or whatever. Um, Those are my three conditions. (laughs) And you can either help me with that or I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Um, yeah. and, and do that and give yourself so much permission and freedom to do that and to make them feel uncomfortable. Like if, if they say, if they mock you about something to just say, like, why would you say that to me? Um, yeah. And like, just leave. Like, you do not have to put up that for a second. And if a kid is punching you to say, like, you need to stop and I'm going to leave. Um, I understand, like, you can't hit back a nine-year-old. I think that's <laughs> fair. But you can absolutely say, like, you need to stop and I'm going to go. Like, don't play with their damn kids. Their kids are not, like being taught how to appropriately interact with other people. And they are just kids. They don't have the same level of culpability as their parents. But you do not have to, um, you don't have to play with them if they can't stop themselves from hurting you. Yeah. And nine years old is old enough for you to tell that child that they are not allowed to be doing that thing. 
and that no. they should understand why. And there's and I'm really just getting madder and madder. There's really no excuse for any of this behavior <laughs> from anyone. And everyone except for the letter writer is mm, Yeah. Someone I, I would and fight. I gotta say too, like your husband, the more I look at this letter, the matter I'm getting at your husband. Like, again, yeah. unless they only do this stuff when he is out of the room, which I really doubt. Like, I see somebody talking to, treating, like, a friend of mine this way. I'm going to get pretty upset. I see yeah. someone treating, like, a partner, someone I'm married to, like, the woman I'm sharing my life with this way. I'm going to... I'm going to get pretty upset. I'm going to have some strong language and I'm not going to invite them to come on over to a barbecue in the backyard and bring the kids. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's time to have a really serious conversation with your husband and say, like, I'm miserable around your in-laws. They make fun of me. Um, they mock my interests. They tease me about being unable to, like, go hiking and mountain biking and their kids hurt me and you need to help me with this. And if you don't, I'm not going to spend time with your in-laws. Um, yeah. God, I hope he is just like a perfect partner in every other respect, because if he's not there to defend you when you're being hurt, like, what the fuck is he married to you for? Sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm cursing a lot today. I don't mean to turn this into the cursing hour. But, uh, I'm mad. I'm heated. But yeah, no, I, I agree. And also, I'm trying not at to the, curse or threaten to fight yeah, anyone. At the very least. Yeah. Yeah. We can't fight everybody. At the very least, take yourself out to a movie. Go out with some friends. Leave the house. Um, just don't be available. And if they think it's weird or if they, like, don't like it, they can suck an egg. Yep. Now I'm going back to my, like, folksy grandma <laughs> expressions because I don't want to curse. So they True. can just suck on an egg. And um, that is, wow, yeah. <sighs> You're, yeah. Tell, and you know what? Tell your husband to write to me and explain himself. Mm -hmm. I want to know what he's been doing while all this has been going down. I, I would like a letter from him explaining himself and apologizing to me personally for putting me in this position. Yeah. And and you too, Alyssa. This yeah, please, please copy us. me on that, that letter. <laughs> Done. All right. So at the very least, we are moving on to different kinds of problems, <laughs> which is great. We'll get a chance to experience different kinds of, of anger and frustration. <laughs> uh, would you please read the next letter? Yeah. Uh, subject, American names. Dear Prudence, I know I can just ask my coworker what she prefers, but in the general case that people with foreign names living in the U.S. have adopted American names of their own choosing, is it more polite to learn the pronunciation of and use the given foreign name or opt for the English name he or she has chosen? Presumably, the American name is one they have carefully considered and chosen, but it seems so lazy to not learn their given name. Thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that if someone tells you what their name is, you should just use that name. That seems like just a generally good rule of thumb. Yeah. Uh, especially because the goal of them choosing that name is presumably convenience and ease for them. Yeah. Um, so I think trying to learn their given name possibly could have more to do with your, the letter writer's desire to um, kind of seem like, one of the good ones or somebody who's trying harder than everyone else around you, which is not like a, I, I don't mean to say like that's a totally bad selfish impulse. I just mean it would actually in the long run be more confusing for this person because they have told everyone else to call them by this name and you um, are calling them by another name. So while I understand where you're coming from, I don't think it would actually achieve the goal of making anything easier for your coworker. So I think since your coworker has already said 
which name she prefers, you should use that name. Yeah. It's also just, I don't, like, my name is Japanese, and sometimes I get tired of people ruining it. <laughs> um, and so they might just not even want you to, like, they just might not want you to. And, like, maybe if you become really good friends one day, you can have a meaningful conversation about it. But in general, when someone just tells you what their name is, don't say, well, but what about your real name? Cause right, because there can sort of be a way in which that can be asking a lot of that person because it sort of implies, I know that this name is a fiction and I see through it. Yeah. I want to be more intimate with you and I want you to give me information that you have previously not seen fit to give yeah. me. It's Again, also just, not that... I was going to say, there's just also like, a, like, especially I know with a lot of my Asian American friends, um, like... Asian American people have American quote unquote names. Like I have Asian American friends who are named Emily and Paul and <laughs> they don't like, if you don't know someone has another name, you shouldn't assume they have another name. And if you do know they have another name and they gave you a different name, you should still just use the name they gave you. Right. Yeah. And and certainly, letter writer, I, I imagine part of what's driving this is the understanding that it seems like only um, like the general practice, the fact that maybe as a rule, uh, Americans don't always go out of our way to learn how to pronounce other people's names. Um, you, it's certainly fine to think it's not a great practice or perhaps even that it says something about like mainstream American culture. Um but that does not necessarily mean that the way to go about changing that is by not calling your coworker by the name they've asked you to call her by. Yeah. Just call people by the names that they gave you just as yeah. a rule. Yeah. I don't even think you need to ask which one she prefers um, because I think she's already told you that. So <laughs> I think just go with that. And if you guys ever get close enough that she says, by the way, um, I also go by this name to my friends and I invite you to like use it with me. That's awesome. That means you've made a new friend and they want you to know a little bit more about them. And if not, don't worry about it. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, that one was at least slightly less. We don't have to fight anybody. Yeah. So no we're definitely moving in a more peaceful and nonviolent direction, which is always good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although we, oh, this one, this one, I actually have no desire to fight anybody on. I just find it really, oh, buddy. Um, <laughs> that was also, yeah. <laughs> yep. That was my reaction as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, two minds with but a single thought. Uh, that's us. So the subject of this one is just take a chance. Dear Prudence, Alex and I were close friends in college, where she was basically one of the guys. She lived in sweatshirts and pajama bottoms and hated that girly stuff, so she didn't wear makeup or go in for dressing up. I was an idiot and never knew she had a crush on me until one night we got drunk and she confessed her feelings and tried to kiss me. I pushed her off and told her I didn't feel the same way. She kept asking why. And finally, I told her that she was fun, funny, but not fuckable. I called her the next day to apologize, and she seemed to accept it, but we drifted apart. Now, I have moved back to her town with a different career and an ex-wife. I have reconnected with a lot of my old friends, including Alex. She looks amazing. She's the total package, but still the same old Alex. We do hang out and see each other, but it is strictly platonic right now. Neither of us are dating, and I want to ask Alex out, but I also don't want to screw up our friendship. At the same time, I don't think it's fair that one drunken mistake I made at 20 should ruin the rest of my life. 
Most of all, I don't want to hurt Alex. Dating her would be awesome, but not if it brings up bad memories. Other than that phone call, we've never talked about that night. Should I ask her out or continue to ignore it? So two things, one of which is it took me a few minutes to realize that I think the letter writer was just saying I moved back to this town after having like gone through a career change and having gotten married and divorced. It kind of made it sound like he had moved to town like with his ex-wife <laughs> yeah. in like, the back of a van. Like, well, I had to bring her with me. You know, <laughs> once you divorce someone, you have to take them to the next town you move to. Um, so I just thought that was a great little detail. Um, the other one is, I don't think it's fair that one drunken mistake I made at 20 should ruin the rest of my life. As if, like, not getting to date Alex would ruin your life. Like, Yeah, no. Probably not, guy. Like, you'll probably be able to, like, I don't know. Food no. won't always turn to ashes in your mouth. The sun won't be as darkness in the sky. Like, you're, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Also, it doesn't really sound like he's addressed any of the things that made him kind of a dick at 20 oh no i think 100 percent. he thinks the problem has been solved yeah alex is now fuckable so problem sorted my only issue is does she remember what i said Mm-hmm. she looks amazing as opposed to before when she would not wear makeup or dress up but now she took care of those small issues and obviously this guy thinks he is a catch since she he thinks that this is like up to him mostly it seems and uh yeah alex if you're out there do not date this guy in my opinion but uh i think you should not ask her out and i think you should ignore it and just leave alex alone so (laughs) yeah i think that that's certainly not gonna harm anyone if that is the route that he takes um let's 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 play a game where we imagine what are the possible outcomes, right? Okay. So let's play. Uh, at least letter writer, you like called her the next day to apologize. Um, that's good, right? Like you realized within twenty four hours, that was a pretty lousy way to tell somebody I don't return their feelings because like yep. you're not a bad person if you like girly girls. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not wrong. It was not wrong of you to find her less attractive when she was more of a tomboy and to be attracted to her when she is more overtly feminine in appearance. That in itself, mm-hmm. that's not an issue. Um, yeah. y- there are always better ways to tell someone you don't return their feelings or you're not attracted to them. Um, sorry, I was so animated on that. I just flung my pen across my laptop. Um <laughs> Than saying you're this, you're this, but you're not fuckable. Like you, <laughs> you, you could go your whole life without saying that to somebody. You yep. never have to say to someone you're not fuckable, Aval, because pretty much everybody is fuckable to somebody. Yep. Like you didn't just say I'm not attracted to you or I don't feel the same way. You said Alex, you're not fuckable. Like yep. no one would want, you know, a kind of tomboyish college girl who wears a lot of sweatshirts which like <laughs> incorrect I gotta tell that's you, man, just not true <laughs> a lot of people are very into that aesthetic um can confirm my college girlfriend was a lot like that and uh you know i, I don't want to get excessively personal but rest assured i never felt the need to tell her she was not fuckable um that's good yeah so just like to just remind you of like why that was such a lousy thing to do Mm -hmm. um so uh she probably remembers it i don't think she's forgotten that said she she seems like she enjoys your company now it seems like she is at least somewhat inclined to 
put that in the past as like a youthful mistake. It doesn't seem like she's still really angry with you about it, although, you know, we don't know that for sure. Mm -hmm. So now the question is both are you interested in running the risk of reopening that wound by asking her out and be of all like what's changed for Mm -hmm. you? Like if Alex ever does go a couple of days without eyeliner and like wears some slouchy sweats because she feels comfortable, you know, what's going to happen to your boner, man? Like I'm worried. (laughs) I'm really worried about your newfound boner for Alex. Like Mm -hmm. the condition of your boner distresses me, guy. (laughs) Um, What's going to happen? Like if she ever changes, like can you deal if she kind of goes back to that tomboyish casual wear loungewear gal um will your interest in her wane and if so again you know maybe do a little work on yourself and also don't ask her out um (laughs) yep if if you're like nope i I, both i am more attracted to the way that she is now and i've done some work on myself and i understand that sometimes um men and women enjoy wearing sweatpants and it doesn't mean that they're unfuckable um then can you risk it uh sure Sure. Um, There's a decent chance she will say, yes, I'd like to go out with you. There Mm -hmm. is a decent chance she will say, nope, uh, I enjoy our newfound friendship, but the memory of that night has always stayed with me and I could never be with somebody who ever called me unfuckable. Um, Mm -hmm. And you guys kind of have an awkward face for a while and then go back to being friends. It's also possible that that brings up the memories for her in a way where she's like, you know what, I haven't talked about this, but since you brought it up, I'm really angry and I think you're a jerk and now I don't want to be friends at all. So... You know, those are at least three possible outcomes that are very, very different. And Mm -hmm. if you're not willing to run the risk of one of them, I think you should err on the side of not asking her out. Um, Yeah. I mean, when in doubt, I think not bothering women is the advice I give mostly because especially someone you called unfuckable at like frankly 20, like you were not a child. No, you could have joined the army or voted. Um, Yep. At that same time, which is distressing. Um, <laughs> it is. It is. You know, again, like, that's not to say that you are unforgivable or a, you know, ruined person. Um, but it, that's hard to bounce back from in a romantic context with a person. Yeah. Um, your penance you know? may just be that you never get to date Alex. That may just be your penance and you'll just have to. Yeah. And I don't think that would ruin your life. Nope. You know, I don't think You've so already either. gotten married. You have a career. You, you, you're not, I don't know, like living on a rock, having your liver eaten by an eagle. Yeah. Um, you're, you're doing all right. Yeah. My, my advice, friend, uh, is to continue to ignore it. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe embark on a very low-key system of self-improvement. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, man, just, oh. Can you imagine, can you imagine confessing to one of your friends that you have feelings for them mm. and not, not just getting shot down, which like, of course you run that risk, but hearing yeah. them say, well, you are fun <laughs> and you are funny and thinking like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> We're about to fall in love. And then they close with, but objectively no one would want to have sex with you. And it's just like, that would stay with me for years and years and years. But yeah. yes. Yeah. Good luck with your deal, guy. Good mm-hmm. luck. All right, so the next one is also just a lot of intensity. I have, oh, sorry, that just that one's just going to like sit with me for a long time. It's changed my DNA somehow. Um, 
But please just read the next letter, and I'm just going to quietly giggle and cover my mouth so that it doesn't distract. Okay. Uh, So this one is rudely placed, poorly thought out trees. Dear Prudence, we bought our home five years ago in part due to its outstanding view, a panoramic of hills and trees that define what one thinks of when they think of the Pacific Northwest. The problem is our neighbors. A few years ago, we noticed nightly use of what appeared to be a disco ball and strobe lighting. Knowing that they are a family of four with kids our age, we came up with some private and humorous explanations of the strobe light usage and let it go. Then about two years ago, they planted tall trees at the back line of their property, touching the fence that we share. Anyone who knows about trees would not have planted them so close to the line because now we've got a twofold problem. They freely hang over into our property, taking up substantial space, and some have gotten so tall that they affect our view. When our neighbors planted the trees, they lightly told my husband that he may trim them back whenever he wants. But that means he's got extra work to do, work that shouldn't be his. Plus, I'm ticked about our view. He said nothing at the time. I could contact our HOA board and make a stink, but I'm not sure if I'm just being petty. The mom is involved at our elementary school, and I'd like to stay on good terms if possible. What say you? I mean, like... The letter describes at the beginning, we bought this house in part because of its outstanding view, a panoramic of hills and trees. Mm -hmm. And now your view is of trees. They're just closer. (laughs) Yes. We're still looking at trees. Like. Yeah. I don't. I don't. The munitions factory. Like you're still looking at presumably beautiful, majestic trees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't see the, the views and the trees being. That part of it being a big deal. I also am not entirely sure what the strobe light and disco ball are doing in this story. Um, Unless it was just for context that they have kids their age. I'm confused by that part. Here's Uh, here's what I think is going on. Um, They don't have much of a problem right now. And they didn't have much of a problem before. But they kind of knew that because they're sort of asking, am I being petty? And uh, so they were like, maybe if I add the strobe, like that will (laughs) tip it over into something, you know, like maybe this is our version of the movie Pacific Heights, uh, where basically Michael Keaton harasses some property owners for like two and a half hours. um, And and we're going to get permission to go to our HOA board and make a big stink. I mean, look, probably in various municipalities, there are rules governing the exact height of trees a person is allowed to put on the back line of their property. And you could maybe have some redress if you went to your HOA board and wanted to get like a definitive ruling about how tall the trees are allowed to be and how much they're allowed to hang out into your yard. Do I think that that is the best use of your one wild and precious life to steal a phrase from somebody else? Honestly, no, no. Like sometimes in life you get to own a beautiful home with a panoramic view of the beautiful Pacific Northwest and have a what sounds like a very pleasant family with kids that you have jokes about your neighbors with. And then into this beautiful Edenic like existence, um, your husband has to trim some trees. All right. Like that 
that seems acceptable to me that that might happen. And I know it bums you out because you shouldn't have to trim some trees and uh, sorry, but like, (laughs) gosh, it just doesn't seem like a big problem. It doesn't even seem like a small problem, honestly. It just seems like fine. Yeah. I mean, I do not own a home and I don't really have any intention of owning a home. So I am maybe not the person to ask, but that seems like a lot of work. Going yeah, to I, I do also want to. I do want to freely admit that, like, one of my biases is that if you write into me with a problem that comes from being like a property owner and it involves something somebody not on your property is doing, <laughs> frankly, even it involves your property, I'm I'm maybe not going to be as sympathetic as others. So just heads up, if you're going to write in with an issue about that to me, you should just know I'm going to be a little prejudiced. Um, but yeah, it's not even like you know they hang over your property. All right. They take up space, yeah, and someday you're going to die. Like, that sucks, but it is what it is. <laughs> and some have gotten so tall that they affect our view. It's not even like all we see now are these shitty neighbor trees <laughs> when we wanted to see the good trees on the other hill. Like, yeah. it's just some. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, trim the trees back on your property. Uh, you can also ask them to do some of the trimming. Like, that's fair. Ask politely. Um, you can also... You can also, at some point, like, educate yourself on tree laws in whatever town you're in and go to the HOA board if you want. I don't think that's the great use of your time. It does not sound like the quality of your life is being so adversely affected that you no longer experience joy upon waking. And, yeah, I just, I think if you're if you're interested in staying on good terms with your neighbors, um, you are kind of unsure whether or not going and making a stink to your HOA board is a good use of your time. Lean into that instinct. Maintain yep. that good relationship. Kindly ask them um, either if they would be willing to do some of the trimming or say like, hey, we're going to do some trimming on Thursday. So heads up. Um, and then just accept that maybe for a couple of hours, you and your husband, because you can help your husband. You too can trim the trees. Um, yeah. You'll like once a year have to do some more tree trimming than you want. Um Sounds like everything else in your life is going really well. Congrats. Yeah. Sounds like you have some cool trees. Yeah. So subject of this one is offhanded comments. Dear Prudence, I tend to make some offhanded comments. I mean, in a sarcastic or joking manner. Sometimes they are hilarious and people fall on the floor laughing. Other times people say, that's not cool. And I realize I said something I would never even do and was just trying to emphasize something else. I also get words mixed up sometimes. I don't know how to bounce back from these comments because saying it was a joke seems stupid when I really didn't mean it like that in the first place. I don't want people to think poorly of me just because I'm a spontaneous talker. Aval, it me. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I identify. Good for you for realizing that it's a problem. Like, that's yeah. really hard to do. So I, yeah. I feel you. So so you, Alyssa, you too have sometimes said things that you later wished you had not said. Yeah, all the time. I feel like uh, a lot of people do. Um, and I don't think that when someone says that's not cool, I don't think your response should be, it was a joke. Um, right. Should that's be, a good I'm sorry to say yeah. that it seems like a bad excuse because they were not saying that wasn't a joke. They were mm-hmm. saying it wasn't cool. Yep. And I think you apologizing know, is probably your best move there. Just saying, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll try to do better next time. And then the key is to then try to do better next time um, because you can only make so many offhanded comments before someone is like, maybe this guy's just kind of a 
jerk. And I mean guy as, like, a gender-neutral guy because, like I said, this is also me. Um, Oh, yeah. So (laughs) this could be anyone. Um, But I think apologizing is probably a good move. And then, I don't know, trying not to just say everything that's in your head, which is extremely hard, I know, because my mother tells me on a regular basis that I need more of a filter. Right. But progress, steps. Yeah. Based on a couple of different things, I, I, I intuit that this letter writer may be a, a young person, p- probably high school aged, um, mm-hmm. possibly college aged, in part because I think if they were older, um, they w- this would include something about like, I've lost out on professional opportunities as a result yeah. of gotten reprimanded at work. <laughs> yeah. um, and and so it's good that you're kind of acknowledging this now. I also very much ha- have gone through this in my own life, especially in high school and college and have many times in my own life said things that were thoughtless, cruel, offensive, dismissive, reductive, shitty, yep. um, because I was so invested in getting attention and getting a laugh that I didn't care what I said as long as I got the outcome that I wanted. Um, and I had to experience sufficient pain um, and embarrassment and social repercussions in order to start thinking about what would be a different strategy that might work better. Mm-hmm. Um and I, because I know, I think, so intimately what you were describing, I want to address one possible response that you don't quite come out and say, but I think might be a possibility, is that sort of sense of, look, I'm just a spontaneous talker. That's mm-hmm. part of my identity. So if you tell me as a rule that I should think before I speak, you are not actually just asking me to be more thoughtful or more sensitive or more careful. You're asking me to compromise at my core who I am mm-hmm. and that I cannot and will not do. And you sort of get to feel like you're taking a stand against an overly sensitive universe. And mm-hmm. um, again, I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but I know that is an impulse that I have had at times yep. when someone has said, like, as a rule, you do this more than you should and you need to knock it off. And my response was sort of, you are telling me to change myself and I yeah. cannot do that. The universe wants me to become less. And that's not <laughs> what people are telling you to do. Mm-hmm. They are not, you know, you're not going to lose the ability to make jokes. You're not going to lose the ability to speak off the cuff. Um, that's not something that someone's trying to take away from you. So if you do, as a rule, try harder when you are joking around with your friends to think carefully for even just 1.5 seconds before you say something, I promise you will not be compromising your eternal soul. You will still be the person that you are. You will still be able to be funny and make jokes. Yeah. Plus, then you'll be the person who only makes the jokes where people fall on the floor laughing instead of the one who also makes people uncomfortable. And people like it better when you are not saying things that make them uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, And pay attention. You know, you say that there are moments when you realize you say something that you would never do. So you realize that in part, these comments are some sort of fictive persona that doesn't actually represent what you value, um, but that, you know, has the effect of communicating to other people's that 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 is what you want or would do. So to ask yourself in general, like, how do I want to be known and understood um, in the Mm -hmm. context of the kind of jokes that I make? Because all of us would like to be defined only by our best and noblest moments and Mm -hmm. have everything we say as a joke be written off as it was just a joke. 
Um, and something can absolutely be a joke, but things are rarely just a joke, which, again, is mm-hmm. not to say that anything lighthearted must always be, like, investigated and scrutinized. But um, something can both be a joke and cruel. It can be both something that you don't truly believe that you mean and something that hurts something else. So the fact that you said it lightly or didn't really think through whether or not you meant it does not mean that you get to tell other people that um, they shouldn't judge you by it. Because mm-hmm. if they do, they're just going based off what you're showing them. Yep. Oh, I'm having such like horror flashbacks to like high school and like showing up and having a friend be like, hey, we actually need to talk about what you said yesterday. And just that moment of, oh, no, yeah. I did it again, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I? Yeah, I mean, high school, I feel like that's still, I mean, even when I was on Twitter. So only in the last, since college, I guess, I've said things where someone's like, mm, are you sure? And I've said, no, you're right. I'm, you're correct. Yep. I'm not sure that was wrong. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, feedback from people who I trust and are, you know, who care enough to say like, hey, I think you're better than that thing that you said um, have made me better than that thing that I've said in the past. Yeah. So I would say two things for you, letter writer, in terms of what you can do moving forward. Um, you know, you say you don't know how to bounce back from those comments. Um, don't bounce back. I mean, obviously you want to recover. You don't want the rest of the day or your time together with those people spent like defined by the thing you said that you wish you hadn't said. Um, but bouncing should not be the sort of motion you're going for after you say something that hurt somebody else or that Mm -hmm. was unkind or cruel. Um, you should actually stop and apologize and like take a fiver, you know, like take a minute, like think about what you said and how it might have affected people, like sit the next round of jokes out. That's okay. Like bouncing is not something you need to worry about right now. You just took a fall and you should be icing it, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to stop this extended metaphor because I think it's about to get weird. But um, yeah, don't try to bounce. You don't need to yeah. bounce. Um, you will be able to joke again. Yep. Um, and then it is a good impulse to say like that seeing it was a joke seems stupid. Um, so I think you should just go with, you're right. It's not cool. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. Yep. That will be really helpful, and that will at least show to people that you are working on um, not pursuing kind of your worst impulses. And then if you say that you don't want people to think poorly of me because I'm a spontaneous talker, um, divorce the idea of yourself as a spontaneous and exciting person from the fact that you often say things that other people respond to with suspicion and condemnation. Those are two unrelated things. Mm -hmm. The parts of you that are spontaneous, vivacious, overflowing, affectionate, exciting, fun, vibrant, um, and the part of you that sometimes says things that stop people in their tracks and say, wow, that's not okay. Not the same guy. And again, that's a gender neutral guy. Um, That guy lives within me as well. Um, Those are two very separate people. And if you spend a little more time with your friends, and even if you have one or two close friends that you can say, hey, I feel like I sometimes get feedback uh, about saying things that really offend or upset or hurt other people. Um, And I'm trying to work on that. You know, do you have any suggestions or do you notice that in me? Or do you find that it seems to come up around a particular topic more often than others? Um, To ask for that sort of like loving critical help from your friends is why you have friends Mm -hmm. um and just in general like before you deliver that awesome joke give yourself one second 
one second and like maybe this is going to sound really dumb but like put like a hair tie around your wrist and just like snap it really quickly because just that moment kind of interrupts the normal like flow of thought speech laughter or condemnation Um, just that little moment and you're not going to do the rest of your life but just that little moment of checking in with yourself and interrupting that flow um, might help you from having to spend so much time at parties apologizing I don't want that for you I've done it it's no fun (laughs) apologizing I'm very good at apologizing because I've had to do it a lot um, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, con- you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I want to always be able to apologize if I need to, but I don't want to spend more time apologizing than I have to. Yes. I would like to not owe people apologies because I've hurt them that I don't want to hurt people basically, I guess. What, what do you feel like Alyssa has helped you the most in sort of, cause I don't think of you as a person who often says things that, uh, have to be sort of dissected afterwards. So I think you must have made at least uh, like a substantial amount of improvement in that area. What's been the most helpful to you? Has it just been like time? Has it just been embarrassment? Like, <laughs> um, Time has helped. Working on empathy has helped because instead of having, you know, an outgroup person having to tell me like, hey, that hurts me, I can be like, oh, wait, this joke that I made because maybe, you know, or the joke that popped into my head because maybe it doesn't directly impact me could very easily impact many people I care about. And so just like listening a lot has helped, um, listening to other experiences and oh, just, I don't know, trying to think before I talk. I'm still bad at it, but because my thoughts have steered very, um, steered more away from immediate harmful responses, uh, my spontaneous talking is mostly now just like, I'm going to fight that senator as opposed to something more harmful. (laughs) Which I'm still working on that impulse. I don't need to threaten to fight everyone. It's not great, but yeah. uh, it's certainly better than where I was a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. I don't even want to yeah. think about ten years ago. That seems that's that's rough. promising, though. You are much better off than you were ten years ago, and that's you know yeah. hopeful. Yeah, Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the show and yeah. being weird with me. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, get out of here. Try not to fight anyone the rest of the day. And thank you again. <laughs> I'll do my best. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. 